Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. And that's so good, wow. Who likes worshipping? That feels good. I feel good. We can all go home now. No, I have a message to bring today, a word. Why don't you grab a seat? You can say hi to the person next to you if you haven't met them yet. Tell them you're glad they're in church with you. They're sounding good, smelling good, all those nice things. Don't lie though. If that's not true, then just find a different way to compliment them. But. So good to have you. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing. We're so blessed here in this church. My name's Stephen. If I haven't had a chance to meet you before, uh, I'm here and I'm bringing the message today. And uh, my wife and I are the location pastors of our C3 Calgary, Calgary Central downtown location. And um, yeah, good central. Woo! Give me a woo there. We're in a transition period at the moment between... Uh, as a set-up, packed-down venue that we've had every Sunday, and the Lord's been so faithful that in January we're moving into a permanent location downtown where we can start to impact the city beyond just a Sunday. And we're kind of in that moment where we're, we've stepped out of the boat and our foot hasn't landed anywhere, but it's going to land somewhere, and it's good. We do have a place lined up. We're just awaiting the permits for the, the city. And um, so the great news in that is though for the month of December, maybe a little bit into January, we're able to be here and hang out at the west side, and, uh, and you'll see some other faces around um, you that maybe aren't normally here, and they might be from the central location. Maybe it's your first time in church, you haven't been to any of our locations before, and you're so welcome in this place today. And I'm so pumped to be um, bringing the second part of our series, Light of the World, our Christmas season that we're in. Who loves the Christmas season? I love the Christmas season. It's an awesome time of year. It's a busy time of year, if we let it be. It can be an anxious time of the year, if we let it be. It can be a fearful time of the year for some of us, maybe. And I want to bring a word today that I, I really believe um, the Lord is stirring in me. Two, two words this Christmas season. And I know we have different words we associate with Christmas. We, we talk about joy, talk about peace, talk about light, talk about all these things. But the two words that uh, are really stirring in me this year and because they're storing in me, that's what's going to come out of me today as I bring the word, is fear not and evangelism in the Christmas story. So just giving you the heads up of where we're going there with this. Christmas time's actually a lot harder than you'd think to preach on. You think it's Christmas time, it's easy. I've been struggling a little bit to, to do it because I think for three reasons, particularly why it could be a little bit more difficult. Um, we all have maybe Christmas traditions in our life. Do you have any traditions in your life that are very, very sacred, very precious to people? You don't mess with traditions, to Christmas traditions. There's a familiarity with the story. Maybe you've been in church all your life. I didn't grow up in the church, but I knew the Christmas story. And we get so familiar with the story. I couldn't probably get up here and, and shock you with a new part of the Christmas story today for most of you guys. You, you pretty much know the characters. You pretty much know what's going on. Or at least we think that's the case. 
So we have a familiarity with the story that, that makes it kind of hard for a guy like me in, in my position. I'm not complaining today. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And then there's the Christmas cliches that the world has bought into and taps into and, and the world around us outside of the body of Christ likes to tap in and, and look at some of the aspects of the Christmas story, enough that it seems like it's a sacred and holy thing while they really remove sometimes the sacredness, the holiness, the Christ-centeredness out of it and what actually took place at Christmas. So, um, but I believe I have a little bit of a word here today to stir something up in us. Everyone's experience of the Christmas season is different too, not just the story, but for me growing up, Christmas was very different to what it is here. I grew up in Australia. Um, please don't hold that against me. Uh, and, you know, so on Christmas Day, it'd be generally get together, very hot, sweaty day, play a game of cricket. You know what I'm saying there? Talk out for backyard cricket, go for a midday surf maybe with the family. The neighborhood would have a, a water bomb fight. I mean, that's happening here in Calgary, right, this year. Like water, water fight, water guns on the day. Finish it off with some seafood on the dinner table. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Maybe you come from a place where it's very different to what it is here in Canada, what the Christmas season looks like. Maybe Christmas for you isn't full of joyful memories. And maybe it's not full of great experiences. Maybe the Christmas card picture and the commercials on TV that show the happy times and the, the family time and all that isn't the experience you had. Or maybe it's just another time of year. It's some extra bills to pay, some extra stresses, some extra anxieties. No matter what your experience of Christmas season is, I believe today God wants to bring the wow back into our relationship with Him. He wants to bring the wow back into the Christmas story. And He just wants to bring the wow back into our relationship with God in general. Um, my son, I got two sons, um, Hewan, who's four and a half years old, and Cohen, who's two years old. And I may have said this before, but Hewan was recently going through a wow phase when it came to basically everything we did, but, but with dinner. It was like we'd serve out the, the mac and cheese for dinner that night, um, the KD, whatever it was. But he had in his head that he was meant to be kind of wow. So we'd have a bite. We'd be all just hanging out. He'd have it. Wow! Wow, this is the best dinner ever. Wow. It's okay, buddy. Like, this is the same mac and cheese you had last night. No, wow, this is the best one ever. And then can you go get a, a book from the shelf there, buddy? And, you know, of course, they grab the same book they've read for the last four years every night. Grab it and be like, why are you picking that? Because this is the best book ever. Wow. I love this story. Wow. And it's just such a fun phase. He's pretty dramatic. He must get that from his mom. <laughs> Not from me. I got two dramatic boys. But, but I love that wow factor that he'd bring. Now he's slipped into the fussy stage now. He's always where it's not quite the same anymore. He's not eating that food if he doesn't want that food anymore. Boring. Mac and cheese. What? A couple of weeks ago you were saying, wow, best food ever. And now you won't eat it. What's my point? I think sometimes we go from wow with our relationship to God to getting fussy and bored and familiar with the food that we're eating from the revelation that God's given us. 
and we actually need to fight and continue to put ourselves in a place to be wowed by God. In Luke chapter 18, there's a story of um, Jesus is gathering and the crowds are with him and they're, they're mobbing him and the kids, little kids are running towards him and the disciples are shooing them away. And anyone who knows kids who are determined to get somewhere, they're going to get to that place. So they're running through and pushing. And Jesus actually rebukes the disciples and says, no, let the, let the kids come to me. Um, and, and he sort of talks about, he says, bring them to me. He wants to lay hands on them and pray for them and be with them. Little kids have a really good discernment radar and they want to be around Jesus. Jesus is the kind of person they wanted to be around. But he goes on to say that we all must have faith like this to enter the kingdom of God. And what, what's that about? Jesus isn't saying that we need to be immature. Jesus isn't saying that we, um, we're not meant to grow up. But I think a huge part of what he's saying is we're meant to have that wow factor in our life. Have you lost the wow today? Because I believe God wants to bring it back. And I think Christmas time is an amazing time to get the wow back in our life. I hope we all leave today going, wow, God. You're good. And we don't let it get stale. Okay, I got to jump into this and get going here. So some of the words that we think about at Christmas, like I said, are, are hope and peace and, and love and kindness, all these things. Do you think about scandal? We sometimes talk about the scandal of the cross at Easter time and what took place, but I want to talk about the scandal of Christmas. A scandalous Christmas. Because when I look at the Christmas story this year, it's full of scandalous things. Pastor Lorne touched on it last week, actually, that you just look at the genealogy of, of, and some of the people that are in the, in the history of Jesus' origin and not the kind of people you would include. It's a little bit scandalous. There's a virgin birth take place outside of wedlock in the, perceived by the people around. That's a bit of a scandal taking place. And I want to look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8 today. And we'll read on the rest of the chapter there and paint a bit of a picture of some of the scandal that goes on and why that's important to us. And hopefully it just kind of sparks you to want to go and read the Christmas story and find what God's speaking to you this year about during this. So for those who've got their Bibles and taking notes and want to go to heaven today, you can turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And it's, Jesus has been born, laid in a manger, there was no place in the, in the inn for them. We know that part of the story. But then it says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. Now, I want to paint a bit of a picture of who these shepherds were. Do we have any shepherds in the place today? I don't want to offend any of you shepherds out there. Maybe you're tuning in from New Zealand online today. We welcome you if you're a shepherd there or wherever. We love shepherds in this place. But in the culture and the time that this is being written, shepherds were not highly thought of at all. They were not, um, they were not the influencers of the day. They were not the, the rich. They were not the powerful. They were quite the opposite. The, the Mishnah, which is the uh, written record of the oral law of, um, of the Jewish, at the time, Judaism and beyond, would tell, say that shepherds were incompetent. It would go on in there to say that Shepherds were not allowed to vote. They weren't allowed to hold office of any kind. And it would actually go on to say that if you came upon a shepherd who had fallen into a pit, you were under no obligation to rescue them. It's a little harsh, isn't it? 
Like you're just walking along one day, you find a shepherd's fallen into a pit. Ah, can't be bothered today. No issues. This is how lowly shepherds were thought of. Jeremiah, the um, his historian, and would go on to say uh, in as well, I think it was uh, 600 BC, 700 BC, already by that point it was established that um, you shouldn't buy a kid, not an actual kid, but a goat or anything like that, or a, a little lamb off, um, off shepherds. You shouldn't buy any goods off them. You shouldn't trade because the assumption was that it was stolen goods they were trying to sell you. I'm trying to paint us a picture today of what's going on. The shepherds were not highly thought of. They were the ones that no one wanted around. People were scared to go near. They were seen the furthest away from God. They were seen that God would never want to visit them and there was no way for them to have relationship with God. And they were especially seen this by the religious crowd of the day. They were the ones that God wasn't able to reach. In Jerusalem, in the time of Jesus, the rabbis were perplexed about Psalm 23, verse 1, where, where God was called the shepherd. This was one of the, the key things they couldn't get their head around at the time. Why would God associate himself with those lowliest of low people? So let the scandal begin. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, to who? The shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to them, to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it were all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Wow, that's quite a picture. Did you see the scandal? Did anyone pick up on the scandal there? Right here, Jesus has been born and God decides some of the first to know of the birth of the Saviour, of the Lord, wasn't going to be the kings and queens of the world, wasn't going to be the princes, wasn't going to be the rich people, wasn't going to be the affluent people, wasn't even going to be the religious crowd of the day, but was the shepherds. Those who were apparently were so unworthy that if you found them in a pit, you could walk on by. That's the scandal. Yet God shows up to the shepherds. Who's worthy of the news of the coming Savior? Two implications, I think, to consider from this for us here today, online, for, for us in our world in this Christmas season. Today... If you feel far from God, 
if you feel that He doesn't want to see you, if you've ever felt overlooked or underappreciated, if you've ever felt broken, if you've ever felt stuck, if you've ever felt unworthy, I'm not talking about if you've been to church all your life or not. I'm talking about how you feel before the presence of God and in His throne room. If you've ever felt like this is your lot in life and you're stuck and there's no way out and this is it forever, if you've ever felt disqualified, if you've ever felt not good enough, the good news is that God Himself decides to show up to the shepherds. If you've ever felt that way, and many of us have, and maybe some of us do here today, that you are not worthy, the good news is God is here for you. God does not consider. That is good news of great joy that He shows up for all of us. The second implication, because maybe we know that, maybe we're aware of that, maybe we've experienced that, It's for us to consider, I believe, that maybe in the last year, maybe in the last couple years, we live in a pretty uh, triggered, woke, loaded kind of world that we're in, really doing its best job to separate people, to separate families, to separate communities. The world, the enemy is doing everything it can to keep us isolated and pointing the finger and and, uh, arguing with each other because if we can stay distracted pointing at each other, then we're not going to get anything done for the kingdom of God. We're not going to get the breakthrough and the freedom that God has if He can keep us focused on each other and not on the higher things. The implication to consider is maybe, just maybe, have we taken on some prejudice in our own life against people in our worlds? that have disqualified them. Yeah, we know that God is the miracle worker and He can reach anybody, but maybe we think there's some people He can't reach. Maybe in your world you've had relationships drain in the last couple of years, last couple of weeks, last couple of days. And yeah, you would say that God could reach that person, but do you actually believe and feel that God is for that person? Or do we build up these walls that, I mean, I believe God can do anything up there, Stephen, but you don't know this person. You don't know my boss. You don't know my mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law, so I can make those jokes. You don't know my kids. You don't know how far they've walked away from God. You don't know my neighbours. You don't know how they treat me when they see me getting ready to go to church in the morning. You don't know what we went through. You don't know the separation that took place. That person's too far from God. Well, the Christmas story reminds us that no one's too far from God, that He's come for all people. Good news of great joy for all people. Can you say all people? All people. You know, the fascinating thing is if you look up that term, all people in the original language, in the translation, you know what it translates to? All people. That's amazing. I know. Man, four years of Bible college paying off. What, four years? A couple years making up stories up here. It means all people. What's the second thing here? And I got to get moving along. But I just want us to really remember that if you're here today and you feel far from God, He's not too far from you. He's right there ready. It's going to be an opportunity at the end of the service to give your life to Him, maybe recommit your life to Him. And in that moment, I believe you'll be able to experience and feel the presence of God, just like the shepherds would have done that day. They were alone on the outskirts of the city, away and separated from God, but he showed up through his messenger, the angel. And an amazing thing took place. We'll break that story down a bit more. But the Christmas story 
is another thing that we might not associate with it. Remember, hope and joy and these things is fear. The Christmas story brings fear, or it should, initially. See, what we see here is the messenger of God, the angels, show up, and the immediate thing that takes place is the shepherds are fearful. Pastor Lon touched on that before. With, with Mary and the angel, there's fear. Actually, all throughout the Bible, we see when the divine meets uh, human limitation, the first response is fear. And so it should be. Don't you think? Like, I know myself. I know that when light shows up by my own flesh and by my own means, I should be fearful because light reveals. Reveals some offenses in me, reveals some things in my life that aren't right. It reveals different things. And when God meets, uh, when a perfect God meets, meets an imperfect person like myself by my own means, the only reason he could be there in my mind is to kill me, to blow me up, to wipe me off, to start afresh. And Am I... I know, that's taking a bit of a turn in here. I feel like I'm, it's taking a turn. But there should be fear in the Christmas story, but, but only for a moment because what we see is the same thing that the God showing up, which brings fear, actually draws fear out of the shepherds as well. The arrival of light brings fear, but draws it out in the Christmas story. Fear not. And it goes on why, to explain why. But I feel like, Today, as I was prepping for today, I really sensed that there's a lot of fear in some of us here today. So my question is, do you have fear today? What's that fear about? Where's the root of that fear coming from? Why do we have that fear? I just really feel like this is what the Lord wants to say to us today, as we see in the Christmas story, as we see in the other passages around fear. When God shows up, he says, fear not. We need to hear that today. I know it's not a fancy message today, but God wants to say to some of us today, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. And I don't know what fears are in you in this season. Could be fear around finances, future, anxiety around knowing what the season brings out, fear of this, this year you'll be doing Christmas without someone that was there last year and you're not sure if you can do it, fear of disappointments that come or fear of unmet expectations, whatever the fear might be, I just really want you to hear this, fear not. I have good news, great joy for all people. And actually, let's take a moment here now. We don't have to wait till the end of the message. If you're dealing with fear in your life, if you have something that you're afraid of, maybe you can't even articulate what the fear is. Today, as a church, I want us to pray and stand and pray together and believe that God in this season will eliminate that fear. So how I think we can do that is if you're facing fear, would you take a brave step of just standing where you are now putting your hands out before the Lord, and we're going to pray as a church today. We're going to spend a couple minutes right here, right now, because the Lord, as much as sometimes when the Lord shows up, fear comes, He then takes that fear away because the light comes to drive that darkness out. The Lord didn't give us a spirit of fear, 
If you're sitting and uh, you're around someone, feel free to place your hand on them or just reach your hand out. We're going to believe and pray that fear would be eliminated in the name of Jesus today and that fear would be dealt with in this place. So let's just start praying and, and trusting the Lord and bringing that fear before the Lord. We don't have to be afraid of bringing our fear to the Lord because He knows it anyway, but He wants to deliver that out of your life today. So Lord, Father God, we thank You, Lord, that You say, fear not to each person today. Maybe they're online, here in person, but you want to drive that fear, that anxiety out in the name of Jesus. So Lord, we pray right now, whatever's causing that, whatever's circumstances making that fear be present, whatever has led them to this place where they're afraid in this season, Lord, I pray right now you would surface that up, you would deal with the root issue by your Holy Spirit, and you would bring peace and comfort in this time. Lord, I thank you, God, that the fear that the enemy's trying to put on your people would be rendered powerless right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And today we can walk away knowing that you are the provider, you are the healer, you are the deliverer, you are the Savior, you are the Lord, and that you are King Jesus, and you have ultimate authority over any circumstance, anything that's coming against people today. So Lord, I thank you, God, that you're rising up faith in each person and you're removing fear right now. We stand together as a church and declare and believe that the circumstance might not change, but the perception and the feeling around it will change by your Holy Spirit as faith rises up and fear is dealt with in this place because you have good news of great joy for all people. And we speak that over every circumstance in life in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray and believe. Amen. 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 Fear is gone. Fear not. Fear not. In the name of Jesus. Okay, we've got to continue. That was really important that we got that done. The Lord doesn't want us living in fear. Amen? Doesn't mean it doesn't come up, but we've got to put it in its right box, that it's not from the Lord. It's not something we need to live and dwell in. And that when God arrives, He arrives with the message of fear not. That's what the Christmas story can remind us of. So the arrival of Jesus signifies, the, it says uh, in this passage, the one who would save and the one who is Christ the Lord, a saviour and a Lord. That's why the angels arrive. It's, it's so funny. I love the picture. I should have painted the picture a little bit more before because the, um, the, sea, the shepherds are just hanging out in the dark and boom, all of a sudden this angel's there. Like we'd be scared too, right? And it's just like, and then um, he says, fear not. And then immediately afterwards, there's a whole host of the heavenly host come around him. So it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been at like the fireworks somewhere, maybe downtown at the Stampede, and you think the fireworks have finished, and then all of a sudden another one goes off. It's like, fear not, oh, it's good. Whoa! Like, all of a sudden, it's like, freak out. It's almost like they're playing a trick. It's like, fear not, and then boom, heavenly host, the sky's lit up, this amazing scene's taking place. Anyway, I thought it was funny, but there's this funny picture that we get there. Uh, and then they speak of the news of the one to come, the Savior and the Lord. And that's good news for all of us because often our fears, they either come from needing to be rescued from something or not having control of something. And so we get fear. But Jesus, in his birth, all throughout the Word of God leading up to that moment and afterwards, is the Savior, which is one who saves, and he is the Lord the one who has authority and control over any other circumstance, if we invite him in and allow that. 
Jesus is both these things. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 9, spoken of many, many hundreds of years beforehand. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. We've been in a time recently where out of fear, maybe in your life or I know in mine, um, we've been uh, instructed, informed, tempted to, to look to other things as something that can save us or look to other things that have control and are able to rescue us. But Jesus is the ultimate authority. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Lord. And good things in our life make lousy gods. Have you ever found that? We can have good things in our life, but if we put them in the place of God, place of Savior, the place of Lord, then we're just setting ourselves up for disaster. I love my wife. She's amazing. She would make a lousy God if I put her in that place. And it wouldn't be fair on her if I put her in that place of God. My kids, I love them so much. Lousy little gods, tell you what. I love my job. I love getting to pastor and and do what I get to do. I can't make a God out of it. What is it in your life that maybe you're tempted to make a God out of? Where do you get your identity? Where do you get your thing? All these things can be good things if we make them God things. Disaster. Disappointment will come. Hurt will come. And what we do with that is constantly every day, maybe this Christmas season, it's a reminder, Jesus is our Savior and He is our Lord. Nothing else. Don't be tempted. Don't step into that place thinking and giving up lordship to something else, savior status to something else, and then not expect to be let down or disappointed. That's a side point. That's a freebie. We put that one in for free there. So here's, in kind of closing up pretty soon here in the next six or seven minutes. Um, what I love out of this and the Christmas story, again, just what it's stirring in me, is the response of the shepherds. See, it says, let us, when they heard the story, boom, fireworks in the sky, angels are there. It says, there's going to be, you're going to find the Savior. The shepherds say this, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This is like the Magi in, in different um, Different story we're not reading today, but we know the, the Magi, the wise men, the, the three kings there, which it wasn't three kings, it would have been many more, but they, they saw, a, they were in a distant land, and they saw a sign, they saw the fulfillment of the scripture was taking place, the Savior was being born, and what did they do? They left their land, they responded, they traveled across the land, it actually took action. The shepherds did the same, it says we're going to go over to Bethlehem and see what's happened. It's amazing to me that um, the, the Magi actually end up turning up to the place close by there, go and talk to King Herod and his, his men and say, hey, this has happened. Um, we're looking for the, this Savior that's been born. And the guys get there and say, well, it's not going to be here. And that takes place. It's going to be over there and send them on their way. But why didn't they follow? That's what I've always been perplexed by. Why didn't the, the people who should have known, why didn't they follow the Magi over to see the Savior? So you can know about God, but if we're not responding to that knowledge, if we're not responding to the revelation, then it means nothing. 
And that's what we see the shepherds here, that the announcement is made, the word is brought, the good news is there, the instruction's there, but then it required a step by them to go and see the Savior. I found my growth and my relationship with God is not simply what I know about Him, but how I respond to that knowledge. It's not how many words in the Bible I know, it's am I implementing them into my life. It's not just about my going and having a prayer time. It's like, am am I leaving that prayer time different and seeing the world in a different way and functioning different? It's all about our response. Our relationship with God always and how far we'll grow and how, how much we can get that revelation entirely depends on our responding to what He's saying in our world. There's a lazy understanding of God's characteristics these days that we need to push back against that if God just wants it to happen, it'll happen. Or if God wants to show me that, then he's just going to show up and show me that. No, it actually requires a response from you and I. That's what the Christmas story is reminding me so much of this year. God is sovereign. Yes, he is. God is in overall authority and control. Yes, he is. But in that, he has delegated to us responsibility. He's delegated to us um, the the ability to actually push in and respond and seek after Him. And this Christmas, we can hear just the Christmas story again. And it can be another fun year. And as it should be, Christmas time should be fun. I'm planning on having so much fun this Christmas. I love it. I love the lights. I love the um, snow is still a novelty for me. Even though I've been here eight years now, it's like in Australia, we have Christmas carols and we sing about snow, but it doesn't quite ring the same, you know, jingle bells. We have our own version in Australia. Some of the fellow Australians here might know it. Riding through the bush in a rusty Holden ute. Call you by my side. Esky in the ute. Anyway, you guys can look it up later. There's still those things that are fun and they should be at Christmas time. But are we going to respond to Christ this year? Are we going to respond to God, Jesus becoming incarnate and that we're celebrating Christ? that he became for all all people. You can know about Christmas. You can know every character. You can know every story. You can go to as many church services as you want, but are you going to respond this year? I'm thankful, C3, that we're a church that responds. We believe in responding to the word. We believe in responding in prayer. We believe in responding in action by serving our city. We're not just observers. We're participating in what God's doing this Christmas and every Christmas and every moment because he's calling us to respond. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see what has happened. We see it take place, that, uh, that they actually get to encounter the Savior as a baby there and go down in the history books as one of the most significant moments. i got to scoot along here. Apparently, <laughs> just kidding, I told them when to come up. This is the last kind of point, and it's very important. You see... Our theme is light of the world. We know that when Jesus arrived, light arrived. Um, So many of the prophecies are about light coming on a dark time. We live in a dark time, but guess what? Light shines brightest in the darkest of times, so I'm not worried. Um, and, And the light of the world shows up as Jesus. But then again, in that same vein of responsibility and response, because we get to experience the light of the world, we are to go out and be light in this world. Skipping over some things here for time's sakes. But John, 
we see that Jesus arrives as light. That's the prophetic fulfilment. As a baby, he confirms that as an adult in his ministry years. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then Matthew 5, verse 14, in the Beatitudes, this is what he speaks. This isn't, so the light has come. Jesus is the light. And now he's speaking to those who are hearing and listening. He says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The shepherds, it says, after their encounter with Jesus, they went away glorifying and praising God. When you look at the, the context and what's going on there, that means loudly and proudly proclaiming what happened and what took place. This is what they didn't go away with that day because they went away sharing their faith. They went away glorifying. They didn't go away with a theology degree. They didn't go away with a, a doctorate. They didn't go away with a course in evangelism. They didn't go away and knowing every little theological point all of a sudden. They didn't just go from being people in a field who didn't know anything to all of a sudden having that download where they could know every verse in the Bible. They didn't go away with a new occupation. They went back to being shepherds. They didn't go away. But what they went away was glorifying and praising God and telling their story. And I can just imagine the shepherds getting back to their shepherd union meeting or wherever they were at starting to share this story. Hey, this is what took place. Heavens lit up. God encountered me. And people would start to ask questions. Well, what about this? I don't know about that, but this is my story. This is what happened to me. That's evangelism. This Christmas, I believe the Lord wants us to be sharing our story, to sharing our light. If we have experienced the light of Jesus, we can go out into the world and be light. That doesn't mean you need to be a preacher. That doesn't mean you need to be the best theologian. That doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. But if you've had an encounter with God, share it. Share it. That's what the shepherds did. That's what you and I can do. The response is up to someone else. But this this year, I think it'd be a great year to share that light. Even more than other years. Every year is important to share light. But we live in dark times. There's not as much hope around anymore but you have the hope of the world in you. I have the hope of the world in me. We can share that hope. Will we be light bringers and sharers this Christmas? We, I often get asked sometimes when I'm pastoring or just in conversation, like, well, times are getting worse, aren't they? It's, it's getting harder to, to preach or harder to evangelize. People aren't wanting to come to church as much anymore. Morality is decaying. And yes, on one hand, but things are also able to get better. Are things hopeless? Yeah, but they can become hopeful. Are, are things dark? Yeah, but, but in the dark, that's when light shines the brightest. It's not one or the other, guys. We are in for the greatest harvest for the kingdom of God ahead of us if we're willing to partner and be a part of what God's doing. I think it was Charles Dickens who said it's the best of times and the worst of times. That can be our reality as well. That's what the Christmas story reminds us. In a dark time, light shines. Where am I going with this? I don't know. I got to land this puppy. Let me end with this quote here from great theologian, I, I think, Peter Kreft. 
commissioning of us to be light bringers and light bearers. And maybe that for you this Christmas means reaching out to somebody, reconciling with somebody. Maybe it means you'll get the opportunity to, to share what God's done in your life with somebody this year, maybe at the Christmas table, maybe beforehand. Maybe, hey, I, I want to see our Christmas Eve services packed out here, both of them, 3.30, 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve on the 20th. Um, we're having a Christmas service downtown as well at Emmanuel Church. Maybe it's inviting somebody to church this year. Maybe that's what it is. But if we continue to be light bringers, like the shepherds, if we go away from our experience with God and we're willing to glorify and praise Him, I believe that as you do that, you will see darkness leave people. You will see healing come to people. You will see freedom come to people. Most of all, you'll see Christ become manifest in people in your world just by sharing a story. Peter Kreft says it like this, the power of love and the power of truth is greater than the power of hate, division, and error. When light and darkness meet, Light always changes the darkness. The darkness never changes the light. It may take a long time. It may take a lot of warfare. There may be a lot of casualties necessarily. And certainly it is going to take a lot of sacrifice. But inevitably, in the end, light always wins over dark. Unless we don't fight. Unless we don't light our candles. Unless we give up. I'm thankful that we're not a people who are going to give up and we're a people who are going to light our candles. Light has come and we will be light bringers this season. Would you stand in this place as I just close in prayer? There will be an opportunity to respond to this message or to anything at the end of the service. We already responded. I just want to pray over all of us here today. If you've never met Jesus, I want to be able to give you that opportunity. I'll be down the front straight after service. Pastor Tim's going to come and close the service for us here in a moment. But let's just look to the Lord and pray. Uh, that we would be light bearers and bringers this season. If that, if you want that, if you want to bring light, maybe there's names even popping into your head or opportunities, or you just want that opportunity, why don't you put your hands up in front of you now? And Lord, we just thank You, Lord. Just as light has come to the world through Christ, who was born a baby, grew into a man, lived the perfect life on our behalf, died the death that we should have died, and then rose again over us. That light has come into us. We want to be light bringers this season. So Lord, for our friends, for our family, for our employees, for our neighbours that don't know You, would You give us an opportunity to bring light this season? Lord, would You give us an opportunity to share Your goodness, to share Your hope, to share Christ this season? Lord, we want to see these people. We don't want to be stuck. We want to see these people meet You and we know that we are responsible. We have a part to play in that. That when You bring Your light, we get to respond to that light by going and being light. So Lord, I pray for every person who wants that and desires that, they will see an opportunity this week to be able to invite someone to service, to share your goodness. And Lord, I thank you, God, even in a season of anxiety, even in a season of fear, even in a season of chaos in our lives, God, you would just be able to just pour out right now. And we declare over each person again, like we did during the message, fear not, fear not, fear not. Because the Saviour has come and He is Christ the Lord. Let our lives reflect that. Let our actions reflect that. Let our spirit have that peace knowing that You are the one who saves and You are the one who is Lord. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Over to you, Pastor Tim. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast 
and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.